Hello, and welcome to What Goes Bump in the Night. Hello and welcome to What Goes Bump the Night. My name is Riley Clark and alongside me as always is... Trevor Jensen. And this is episode 102. 102, baby girl! Let's go. I mean, and we're also doing one of my favorite, favorite things to do. Yes. Since we got into the 100s, we've kind of been throwing it back a little bit to some of our favorite yeah i would say so this is near and dear to my heart this is how i don't know we started most of the early episodes honestly and we haven't done one in quite a while and we are doing the no sleep reddit forums does it go bump does it bump or does it wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. we don't have that one loaded not yet. i mean i do with my mouth just fine so <laughs> it's better if we mouth that one i do like the sound effects i kind of feel like that uh that cop off of uh police academy where you can do all of them like, <laughs> like i'm just gonna do that all day now but we are back episode 102 reading a stoey off of the internet <laughs> before we get started though before we're almost at 10,000 downloads. Holy shit. Just want to say that. And we're fucking leading leading charts in other countries other than the U.S. U.S. got to it up. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since we cleared notifications. They've been piling up. And oh my gosh, we got to talk about the opening of the Dybbuk box. Yes, we do. Shout out to Jimmy who won the Bumpy Award and the Dybbuk box that we sent to him. He just got it yesterday. I got teary-eyed. If you haven't seen our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, I believe I put it on all of those. I believe so. I mean, you sent it to me personally, so that's what I saw. <laughs> it was freaking awesome. Great. It made me so happy. It filled my heart with joy and almost made me cry for like a good 10 minutes. So <laughs> I'm an emotional person. Leave me be. Yeah. And hopefully he didn't unleash a demon. I mean, who knows? There was a lot of candle wax on that. <laughs> <laughs> the way he just muscled it open to just got to me. I was like, damn, that was going to be a lot harder than that. Yeah, we've tried. Hey, Jimmy. Shout out to you for being so strong because we literally spent a good 15, 20 minutes melting Max Wax with Max torch. Wax. <laughs> <laughs> we both looked at each other and we were like, you think he's going to need a knife to get it open? I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And my man just cracked it open in his two hands. I was like, damn boy, <laughs> like, you, you did me proud. <laughs> but without further ado, why don't we just introduce what this story is and who it's by. Tonight we are reading The Whistler by poster on the no sleep right form erushius i think these names are always fucking weird to me everybody's got such a clever name and they probably have a different meaning than what i say it as or like it's said differently but if you are reading or hearing us read this and this is your story why don't you like comment or subscribe (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm gonna go ahead and dive right into the whistler When I was a kid, I had pretty typical suburban childhood. White picket fences, ticky-tacky suburban houses, endless concrete for my friends and me to ride our bikes on, and the only strangers we saw were the occasional drifter or traveler that wandered through our town. My dad worked at a small mill, or steel mill, 
My mom was a homemaker. I remember afternoons off from school filled with bike rides, trips to the arcade, Boy Scout meetings, and exploring Stokes Woods that just lay off the secluded neighborhoods we lived in. Stokes Woods was where my friends and I had so many firsts. It was the first bit of real freedom we had. We spent summer days exploring, making maps, and setting up camps that would be found again later to, the gr to our great amusement. It was our first brush with death too, finding birds or animal carcasses on the trail. We poked them with sticks and ooh, id, <laughs> ood, <laughs> at the bugs that crawled out of them. We never guessed that one day we might share their fate. I was in the woods the first time I swore, yelling, damn it, as I skinned my knee when I was eight. I was in the woods the first time I saw a naked woman. The glossy papers of Terry's dad's Playboy gripped in my sweaty hand as we sat around the campfire <laughs> when I was 11. It hosted my first camping trip there, and it was the first place I was allowed to camp alone. Well, with Terry and Reggie, but it was our first time out alone at night. It was also where we found the treehouse. The treehouse was a relic of kids gone by. It was a big and an old tree set into a clearing, a fire pit dug in its shadow with a dumb waiter to pull things up and a rope ladder to climb up through the trap door. It had been built in pieces. There was a wall inside the signatures with signatures of the kids who had added to it, complete with dates when they had completed them. When we came across it on one afternoon, our nine-year-old eyes growing wide with wonder, we knew we had found something special. Over the next few weeks, we replaced the rope ladder, cleaned out the fire pit, and replaced the dumbwaiter rope. We painted it too, finding some paint at the junkyard and painting the faded treasure in a wash of purples and browns and gold. We added a bike rack, again, with the wood from the junkyard, and signed our names and date to the wall when the project was done. The easy trip to and from the yard made me believe that the treehouse might have been constructed from things they'd found. In the junkyard, we asked old man Macy, the caretaker, and he said the kid had been coming and going, the kids had been coming and going for years, taking stuff for a project in the woods. He was glad it had been put to such good use. We had been playing and camping and using the treehouse for a couple of years when Terry suggested a Halloween sleepover. It's on a Friday. We can camp out in a treehouse, eat candy, and tell scary stories. I thought it sounded like a great idea, and my parents agreed. Three kids alone in the woods may sound weird to some of you, but the town we lived in was very rural. Our town had a population of around 1,200, and crime was almost non-existent. Besides the odd traveler that sometimes blew through, you know, the neighbors very well. We had camped in the woods for the last two years, and as Boy Scouts had taught all of us how to camp safely and not burn down the woods. That night, we all hit the streets as soon as the lamps came on. We set out with pillowcases in hand and embarked on a sweat, a sweet journey, <laughs> not sweaty, <laughs> I can't get over this sweaty playboy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. 
So I'm gonna, I'll go back. We set out with pillowcases in hand and embarked on a sweet journey to collect the most candy. As we always did, we had a theme, and we were all dressed as the Avengers. Sick. Sick as hell. <laughs> when we went out to trick-or-treat, I was Hawkeye, bow slung over my shoulder, homemade costume, and cheap mask covering my eyes. Reggie was the Hulk, body painted green with absorbed foam Hulk hands on his real hands and a cheesy mask frozen into the eternal grim face. Terry was Captain America, his store-bought costume topped off by a trash can lid shield that had painted a star on it. We moved from house to house, striking poses and delighting adults as they filled our pillowcases with candy. By the time the porch lights started going out, we had bulging sacks ready to burst from candy. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. We had bulging sacks. Bulging sacks. Oh, right. no. This person's mind is in the gutter. Yours is. <laughs> we stopped at our homes, dropping off a little excess candy and getting our camping stuff. We told our parents we were going where we were going, and my mom kissed me goodnight and told me to come straight home if there was an emergency. He still had his bulging sack. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not what it says. I just had to. Maybe we're in the gutter. Oh no. It's gone off the rails so hard. <laughs> we haven't even made it to the second bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Alright. Alright. And with that, we set off. We walked the familiar trails into the woods. Our backpacks were bulging from our candy sacks. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Why is this so funny? Oh um, my god. And the night was lit. I feel <laughs> like something's gonna happen though. <laughs> Dude, too. We just gotta get through the bulging sacks and sweaty <laughs> playlists. <laughs> or or some, some traveler is gonna walk into the woods with his bulging sack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so funny. Uh, I just don't hear bulging sack enough in day to day play. <laughs> it kills me every time. Let alone to just read it in a story. Especially yeah. said like four times. You know, and maybe it wouldn't have been funny if we pre-read the story, but just we're just it. live reacting just right now. So. This is so funny. Oh my god, it's not even, it's supposed to be like a spooky like narrative too, and it's just like bulging sex kills me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Alright, commercial break. It's oh, over. Let me just compose myself for a minute. Too bad we can't do picture in picture. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> All right, back to the story. I'm going to start back at the top. We walked the familiar trails into the woods. Our backpacks were bulging from our candy sacks, and the night was lit by a full and ghostly moon. Terry and Reggie talked excitedly about the candy, wanting to tell ghost stories as we ate it. But I kept getting distracted. I could swear there was a noise out in the woods, a bird or a high-pitched wind. As we moved towards the treehouse, it seemed to follow us. The other two were obvious. But the sound on the hair, uh, the, the sound made the hair on my back of my neck stand up. It came closer and closer, never quite reaching us, but seeming to pass us. I heard it behind us. I heard it in front of us. How the others were oblivious was beyond me. When the treehouse rose up to, to greet us, it was a relief. In the light of the full moon, though, it looked ghostly and strange. I had thought the noise would cease to be an issue once we arrived, but it didn't. 
As we loaded our bags on the dumbwaiter, I could swear the whistling still surrounded us. I rushed them a little, gaining some grumpy looks. But I wanted to be out of the woods and into the safety of the treehouse. Once we were safe inside, lanterns on, and candy spilled onto the floor, I began to feel at ease. This was our sanctuary. Nothing bad could happen to us here. We were children who had yet to experience loss or real trauma. We were secure in our knowledge that our parents would still protect us from anything, no matter how bad it got. We were foolish. But children are supposed to be foolish, I guess. Reggie was halfway through one full-size candy bar the Hudsons had began giving out when Terry suggested we start ghost stories. Terry loved scary stories, and he usually had a pretty good collection of them from the internet or whatever. Reggie pulled a beanbag chair over from the corner, and I dragged a camp chair over so we could group up around the lantern. Typically, we would tell our stories around the fire pit, but I think we all sensed that tonight it was better to be inside. Halloween was unique somehow. It was the best to be inside after dark. Terry brought the flashlight up to his chin, tilting the light knob down on the lantern, and then grinned at us ghoulishly. This is a true story. I swear it to my life. He said theoretically. Theatrically. Fucking damn it, thank you. (laughs) It's hard, okay? Words are hard. Before beginning his story, he told us about a kid plagued by ghost of a ha- hobo. <laughs> Not a hobo. <laughs> ghost of a hobo. This is ghost of a hobo. He and his friends had accidentally killed. Oh. They had been playing a trick on him, and he had choked to death on a sandwich. <laughs> Sounds Damn. like pretty cool but ghost story. After he died, the boy kept seeing him around in windows or on street corners, but his friends wouldn't believe him. Then... While the boys were at the sleepover, the ghost struck. I found myself distracted as he told the story, though. The wind blew against our treehouse, creaking it in the branches of the old tree. But beneath the wind was a sound. That same whistling was coming from outside, a high-pitched keen that was not altogether tuneless. As I listened to it, almost seemed to move through the surrounding trees as Terry wove his story. They came to the climax of his story. The boy's friends died badly. The boy escaped the sleepover and ran back to his home. The ghostly hobo dodged his heels, dogged his heels, screaming his name as he chased him through the quiet streets. But the boy made it home and slammed the door in his rotting face. He leaned against it, safe at last, But as the banging began, he remembered one important fact. His parents were gone. Terry said, grinning with the flashlight beam. He might have made it home, but he was still at the mercy of the ghostly apparition. Terry told us how the door had bowed inward and ragged hands pushing the wood like wax paper. But I felt my attention dragged away again. I could still hear the whistling again, closer now. And I could swear there was another noise, too. Rustling leaves, maybe? Or leaves crackling underfoot? Was someone outside the treehouse? And as Patches pushed at his door, trying to catch him, the boy snuck out of his window and disappeared into the night, never to be seen again. 
Terry seemed to notice that I wasn't really paying attention. Oh, come on. It was... That was a great story. Huh? Yeah, sorry. Some Something was distracting me outside. Reggie looked quizzically at me. What was it? I thought I heard someone outside moving around on the leaves. Terry turned to look at the bare window, and Reggie walked over to look out into the inky blackness. The moon cast an odd light over his face. But as he scanned the ground, it gave away no sudden surprise. He shrugged his already broad shoulders and returned to his beanbag chair. He reached for a candy bar and started unwrapping the silver foil. Nothing's there. He said after Terry, and I stared at him for a few seconds. Must have been the wind. Terry began another story about a shadowy creature that lived in a stairwell. As he laid out the narrative, though, I could hear the whistling again. It wombed into my consciousness, spinning through the trees outside like a drunken bird. I could hear the leaves crunching again, the wind making the rustle like skeletal wind chimes. And suddenly, I wanted to go to the window and look into the night. I was trying to listen to Terry's story, but the more I tried to pay attention to it, the more I heard the noises from down below. Terry looked miffed when I interrupted his story to drag up the rope ladder. I latched the hatch and came back to find him with his arms crossed and an indignant look on his face. Think you can do a better story? Well then, hot shot, have at it. He tossed the flashlight at me, and I caught it by reflex. I thought about it for a moment and realized that I did have a story I could tell. Maybe by getting it out, I could alleviate the fears that had been consuming me. I was ruining my Halloween campout for what? Some noise outside the treehouse? It was probably just a raccoon or something that had been spooked when we arrived. My unease had given me the perfect story, though. So, these three kids were walking in the woods. They were going camping, and were going to a familiar spot in the woods to set up. They left their homes at dusk, wanting to camp out under the stars in just their sleeping bags. Their parents told them that if anything went wrong, they could come home and sleep there. But the boys had done this hundred times and felt that they knew the woods like the back of their hands. They felt like nothing in the woods could surprise them. They were wrong. Terry sneered, but he sat close to the lantern, listened nonetheless. Reggie opened another candy bar, the story drawing him in, as the stories almost always do. Reggie didn't really seem to like scary things. He was the kind of scaredy cat but he liked stories. He would sit and listen, getting more and more terrified, but always begged for another when you were done. They walked towards the determined campsite, talking immediate animedly something. <laughs> I honestly I don't know that word about the s'mores. They would make and the scary stories they would tell. One of them kept hearing something as they walked, though. He heard the snap of a twig, the crutch of a leaf, and it made him wary. He told his friends, but they shrugged it off as nothing. 
It was just late afternoon, the sun was setting, and animals were coming out to forage. They would probably just hearing animal noises moving around in the dry leaves. The two of them went back to walking, talking between themselves, but they kept listening, kept looking over their shoulders to see what lay behind. Terry and Reggie were paying attention, Terry a little begrudgingly. Reggie's eyes were large and starry as he listened. As I told the story, I almost thought I could hear the leaves cracking outside. The wind in the trees rattled, the dying years foliage against the limbs, and low whistle could again be heard outside. It was tuneless and wafting as it warbled across my sanity. I knew just what was stalking these kids through the woods, and as I began to spin their tail, he kept asking me to listen, telling them it was important, but they wouldn't listen to him. They kept walking, kept talking, and all the while, the crunching of the leaves and the rustling of the limbs followed them, getting closer and closer. The boy became afraid. The steps sounded large, but he couldn't see anything in the trees as they proceeded down the trail. One of the others finally yelled at him, telling him to stop being stupid and just enjoy the trip. There was nothing out there. No one, but he could hear it. He was being stupid. He needed to relax. I paused for dramatic effect. Seeing Terry roll his eyes at the description of the boy in the story, that's when they heard the whistling. And I imagine I could still hear that whistling outside the treehouse. It was getting closer and closer as I told the story. Was the story drawing it in? Was I calling it to the treehouse? But by now though, I could, couldn't stop myself. The story needed to be told. And I had become a conduit for it. I would tell it to the end, even if the whistler came right up the tree after us. They all froze when they heard the whistling. This was no wind though, the bows of a tree. This was a tuneless, monotonous whistling that cut across the dying afternoon like a sickle through wheat. It was behind them, seemingly on the trail, and they could hear it getting closer and closer. They began to make their way toward the campsite, walking a little faster, but the three looked over their shoulders now. They were all made uneasy by that whistling, and they all wanted to put some distance between themselves and it. My friends sat forward, hanging on my every word, entranced by the new development. Outside, I imagined I could hear the whistling coming from just outside the clearing. They didn't talk anymore. They didn't laugh. They didn't joke. They let their fear or feet take them every ever onward but the whistling followed them the friend who had insisted that it was nothing said that maybe they should speed up a little bit the campsite couldn't be far once they were there they could take a side trail and get back to town or whatever it was would leave but they could get back to their camp out the other two agreed but all of them knew that campout was already cancelled. None of them would sleep here tonight, not willingly. They sped up, but the whistling followed them, followed them steadily. 
One of them said, should stop and confront the whistler. He must be human. Who else, or what else could whistle? The other two shot him down, though. The whistling was discordant, jangling, almost their nerves, sounding like nothing they had ever heard before. Both agreed, but they didn't want to find out what whistled like that and kept moving. Something bumped the bottom of the tree, but my audience didn't seem to notice. It was a hard bump. It didn't shiver the whole tree. It felt more like an inquisitive tap, a gentle knock. Someone trying to get our attention. I put it out of my mind. Maybe the wind or something just kept telling. They kept moving deeper and deeper into the woods, all the time being chased by the whistling. They broke into a run, the campsite still not coming into view, and still the whistling grew closer and louder. The whistling took on a life of its own, rising and falling as the chaotic tune became less and less dis discernible. The children put their hands over their ears, the noise scraping across their minds like a rusty scalpel. The hands would not block out the whistling, though. They heard it inside their heads as it battered their senses. When the first one tripped, the other two did not stop to help him. They didn't hear his screams, but they felt a change in the whistling. They got him. A nightbird call out and from the forest, but now the whistling was in my own head, and I only registered it as something different. I told the story frantically, hoping it would stop the whistling in my head somehow. They dropped their packs and ran. They sprinted, flat out knowing the trail must just be up ahead. They would round the bend and there would be, it would be there as it always was. And they could cut back towards town. It never occurred to them that the creature could just cut through the forest after them. The trail to town had a talismanic effect on them. If they could make it, they could walk it. They would be safe. They ran. They wept. But the whistling followed them on and on. Their feet crunched against the leaves, pine needles sounding like gunfire. They had hardly noticed over the eerie whistling in their heads. My two friends were leaning close now, the lantern making their faces look like jack-o'-lanterns as their eyes begged for the climax. And still the whistling assaulted me, threatening to drive me mad. If they noticed it, they gave me no indication. When the second boy fell, the first never noticed. He ran and ran, trying to outdistance the whistling, trying to get it out of his head. And when his friends was found, the whistling again took on a different tone. The lone boy ran and ran, hoping to the outdistance the crazed whistling, knowing that his fate would be the same and his friends some say he runs to this very day. Some say the whistling got him in the end. No one knows for sure. I heard the whistling abate a little. It didn't leave, but it lightened slightly. I felt like crying as I came to the end of my story. Maybe I would be allowed to live where the boys had died. The search parties found their backpacks two days later, animals having worried them to get at the food. They found the campsite bare, no fire, having been lit in weeks. Of the boys, they found no sign, no trace, was ever found, not a scrap of clothing, not a footprint. They were never seen again. Sorry about aggressive that. Aggressive page flip. <laughs> yeah, aggressive page flip. Sorry. It just did not want to lay flat. <laughs>
but the children in the area say that you can hear the whistling in the woods on quiet nights. On those nights, it's best to stay indoors. The whistling takes all who venture too close, and the whistling will haunt you for the rest of your life, however long that is. That was when the whistling stopped. It stopped so abruptly that I wondered if I'd ever been there for it at all. For a ten-year-old to question his mental stability is a strange feeling. But at that moment, I was just glad it had passed me by. The other two shook off their rapture, looking as though they had been hypnotized, and Terry blew out a long breath. Well, damn, that was a good story. I can't top that, and suddenly I'm feeling kind of tired. Yeah, Reggie said dreamingly. Me too. I think maybe we should go to bed. I wouldn't have argued with most the night, with them most the night, but tonight I was drained as the rest. We laid out our sleeping bags and burrowed down, dropping off quickly without the usual talk that precedes it. I'd like to tell you that's where the story ends. I wish I could. But that wouldn't be doing it justice of the memory of my friends. I awoke in the treehouse of the mor- er, in the wee hours of the morning when someone threw a pillow at me. It was not thrown payful- playfully. The throw was hard, angry, and directly at my face. I sat rubbing my cheek and became aware of the keen whistle that had returned. It was louder than ever, and it chilled me to the bone. For God's sake, stop it! Terry yelled, staring daggers at me. Your story was good. We all said so, but trying to scare us with a stupid whistling isn't funny. I heard someone crying, and I looked over to see Reggie in the corner. With his hands against his face, the whistling was loud and discordant, just as I described it in my story. And it appeared that it wasn't the only one who could hear it now. Terry looked madder than I had ever seen him, and Reggie was clearly terrified after the story I had spun. It's not me, I swear, I told Terry. He glared at me for a few seconds before realizing that I was right. We had woken me, or he had woken me up. How could I be the whistler? He moved to the window. I joined him, trying to see the source of the whistling. Most nights, we would have seen nothing in the inky darkness. But under the light of a full moon, the yard was shadowy but visible. As we scanned the yard, we could see little, the fire pit below, the logs we sat on as we toasted marshmallows and wieners, and wood pile we had tarped against the rain. I had almost decided to go check the other window when Terry gasped like a stepped-on cat. I looked and saw a man in a long cloak step out of the tree line. He was dressed in a dark gray coat, long and flowing like a trench coat, with a tall cowboy hat making him look almost seven feet tall as it poked for the skies. The toes of the pointy boots poked from underneath the cloak, and I thought they looked battered and scuffed even from here. The wind seemed to loathe to touch him, but by the way he pulled the cloak around himself, you have thought he was freezing. I could see a pair of eyes reflecting in the moonlight as he looked up at us, though he must have been wearing glasses. Of him, we could see very little under the cloak, but he made it very uneasy. 
the whistling seemed to can be coming from beneath the cloak and when it stopped he began to speak and i wish for the wish the whistling again his voice was raspy pinched croaksome a dead man's pleading last words i'm so cold boys but i take the shelter in your treehouse for the night i shuddered not knowing what to say somehow terry found his voice Go away! Our mother told us not to talk to strangers, and we don't know you! Please, boys. Come, boys. Didn't your mothers teach you hospitality? There's no man coming out of all the cold. He pleaded. No! Terry said, and moved away from the window, as though the man might somehow leap through the window. The man didn't yell. He didn't plead. He just sat on the log beneath our tree and continued to whistle. The jagged cords wafted up into the treehouse, and I saw Terry shudder. He picked up a boot that had been part of my costume and went to the window to throw it at the man. Terry sent it sailing, but it hissed when it didn't connect. He threw several other things, and the whistling assaulted us, but the old man never seemed to be where he was aiming. Terry cursed loudly, reaching for the lamp. I wrapped my arms around it, begging him not to do it. It's all the light we have. Terry, please. Whoops. <laughs> he tore out of my arms, growling as it came free. He chuckled at the old man, the heavy plastic thing, not even getting close to the target. It broke on the ground, shattering and fizzling with an electric pop. The inside of the treehouse was darker for its passing. The three of us now sitting in the near darkness, whistling went on, though the man never seemed to run out of breath, and the shrill noise took its toll on all of us. Reggie began to rock in the corner, sobbing loudly as the man whistled and whistled below. Terry screamed to him from the window, his rage never ending, as I covered my ears and tried to keep the threads of my sanity together. It seemed to last for hours, for days. And as I sat with my eyes closed, I prayed it would end. When I heard the floorboards creak, I opened my eyes. I saw Reggie standing by the window, his foot already on the ledge. Reggie! I breathed, half getting up. What are you doing? Reggie looked back at me, snot, runner, snot runners creeping down his face. His naked face looks tortured, tears cutting lines down his dirty cheeks, still streaked with green. He smiled gruesomely at me as he framed himself in the window. I didn't have to ask what he intended to do. I tried to stop him. I pulled myself up from the floor to go to him, but it was already too late. I just wanted to stop. He breathed before he threw himself out the window. We never heard him hit the ground over the loud, terrible whistling. Terry stormed over to the hatch and unlatched it before I could throw myself across it. What are you doing? I breathed. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to do something about this guy. He's an adult, Terry. You can't do anything to him. Get out of my way. I'm going down there. He's scary. Terry, you shouldn't go out there. You'll end up like Reggie. You'll... Terry kicked me, sending waves of pains through my gut, and I rolled off the trap door. I heard him throw it open and toss the ladder down, descending in a shrieking rage as he made his way for the whistler. As scared as it made me, or it made Reggie, the whistling had made Terry a furious juggernaut. 
I drew myself up, my ribs hurting, and hobbled over to the trap door and looked down before closing it, and gasped in horror against my throbbing chest. The man was at the bottom of the ladder, his face was still hidden by the coat. His eyes were glintering twosome amidst the swirling dark void. I could see thick red fluid around the collar of his cloak. He was two rungs up the ladder, temporarily frozen by my gaze, and I slammed the hatch, threw a lock on a, a second before he slammed into it. I crawled away from the hatch, seeing it buck wildly and hearing him scream at me to open it. Open it, kid! He cussed and howled like an animal, wanting, it, to open get, it. <laughs> wanting to get in, but stopped by the strong bolts some past child had installed on the sturdy hatch. Maybe they had installed it to keep him out, I thought. My fear overtopped me at some point as I watched the door jump in the frame. I must have passed out. When the banging woke me, it was daylight, and I screamed loud enough to startle whoever had been banging. Easy, kid! It's Sheriff Blakesy! You okay? I dragged myself to the hatch, my ribs aching and through the bolts before falling back, panting. If it was the whistler, I'd hope he was quick. At least my ribs would turn out to be broken, and their healing would encompass two of the worst months of my entire life. Every time I breathed in, I was reminded of the whistler and the last encounter with Terry. At that moment, I thought, I, don't, I didn't care what happened. I just wanted it to end. Sheriff Blasky pushed the flap open through, and I guessed I get to live another day. He took me to the hospital. He took me in the waiting to the waiting arms of my parents, who pulled me into their warm embrace and threatened to never let go. I had been missing for two days, they told me, and when the police had seen the state of our treehouse, they feared the worst. They never found any sign of Terry or Reggie. I told them what happened. I told them about the whistling man, Reggie's fall, and Terry's charging from Trios to attack him. I told them about how I'd locked the trap door and passed out as I watched the man try to bar batter his way in. They took my statement, searched the woods with the officers and dogs and every able-bodied set of legs in town, but they never found anything. Not a scrap of cloth, not a drop of blood. My friends were just gone. That was eight years ago. I've seen the night in my dreams, every night since. The events live on in my memories, and I often wake up screaming as the man tries to break the hatch open in my dreams. I don't pass out in my dreams. The hatch doesn't hold in my dreams. I wake up as he wraps his hands around my throat and drags me towards the pitch black maw he hides behind in the coat. I haven't been back to the forest since that day and I don't think I ever will. Lately though, I've been hearing the whistling as I lie in bed at night. I look out my window, my backyard butting up to the woods. I see two small figures hovering on the outskirts sometimes. The man in the coat is there too, but I know better than to try and tell my parents they're gone when they get there and I just end up looking crazy. I leave for college next week, and I've been chosen one in the middle of the big city. I plan to attend because the closest collection of my then four trees and 60 miles from my dorm. I'm hoping the distance will stop the apparitions, but I don't know. I can hear the whistling now, 
Even as I write this, I can hear my dead friend's soft calls as they entice me to come out and play. Come play. I can hear the whistling as it us. scrapes against my nerves yet again. I hear it, and I hope I get to leave for college before it becomes too much to bear, before it calls me back to the treehouse once more. The Whistler. That's pretty good. I like it. I like that. That wasn't bad. That had a lot of, like, how do I want to say, like, dramatic effect. Where, like, you can really, like, get in into this story. Because, I mean, it's it's like any other, like, camping trip that I do with my friends. Like, how me and you used yeah. to do shit like that. I like how the beginning was kind of funny. The ball sacks. With the bulging. Sex. <laughs> with the bulging sacks of candy. <laughs> but it got super serious. And then serious. it got super serious. Like, super duper like serious. Like, first kid story? Yeah. Pretty typical campster. Hobos. Dead people. And then the you whistler. Get a lot of that. I like how the story he told ended up being his real life. That was yeah, kind he, of a It's almost like he manifested twist. it. Yeah. Where he was just telling it too good and he just brought it upon himself. Which is totally possible. Or when the whistler comes, that's the only story you know. That's the only and story you, tell you know. It because it's your fate. Or the whistling like puts the story in your head. Where it's like it's a subconscious thing where it just rewrites your brain. Where it's like and all of a sudden you're like, there's three kids in the woods. It's <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. You're just, you just sitting at dinner with your family. Know. You just hear it and you go, there's three kids that went on a camping trip in the woods. They were running away from the whistling sound behind them, growing closer. They were hearing a whistling sound. They all died! <laughs> the dude was creepy sounding, too. Yeah, you did that voice very well. I'm not going to lie. That was very good. Nice. I hope that over audio, it like you can clearly hear it. Because, like, that old creepy voice. It's good, hey, but it's boys like, come out and play. It's good and quiet, but it's good and like just turn that shit up, boys and girls. You gonna hear that? We'll turn it up too. Yeah, I mean we can. We have the capability of doing we it. We were so told why not? to talk softer. Yeah, Jenna. Well, specifically me. Jenna says, "Do I just Riley yell all the time?" And I said, "I don't know. We're fucking excited." Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. my voice is quiet. Because when I get excited, I put my face as close to the microphone. But as we I have can. something to decide here. We haven't fucking... We haven't done this in a while. We have a choice. Does it bump? Does it not? And I say... I'm gonna hit the button. Maybe I won't. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) It bumps. I'll give it... Double bump. Six bumps out of ten. Six out of ten? Six out of ten. I I, I thought the the Whistler man could have been a little more creepy. Like, he's, he's good and creepy, but, like, the creep factor wasn't dialed all the way up. I, I would have liked if we would have been able to foul Terry, what happened to Terry, actually. Like, yeah, if how... they would have, like, you would have seen him get eaten into this black maw underneath his coat. Like, that would have been kind of a cool to way to talk about it. To know how he does it. Yeah, or, like, when he opens his coat, like, it's just, like, a Maybe mouth he's whistling. A SCP. Or a Wendigo. Ooh. I think Wendigo sounds fun. Although doesn't really fit the narrative. Not 100%, but it has some similarities. Just a few. He's a skinwalker. A, a flesh pedestrian. I heard that the other day. They were like, <laughs> not everybody likes to hear Wendigo or skinwalker, so they call them flesh pedestrians. And I was like, I don't hate that. I don't hate it. I got to give credit where it's due, and I thought that was really clever. 
flesh pedestrian. That's, that's <laughs> it's really funny, honestly. That's new to me. Never heard that before. I mean, I'm constantly hearing new things when I listen to other people's podcasts where they do like paranormal, true crime, things like that. And there's always some funny innuendos like that. So I got to give credit where it's due, where it's like, I got to shout it out because it's pretty fucking good. And that came from Morbid, the the podcast Morbid. I know you've heard of them. Oh, yeah. They're pretty big. <laughs> They're pretty big. So got to give credit where it's due. But that was pretty good. That's pretty good. That was, I liked it. That's pretty good. It, it was, was a long good, one. It was a good story to start the, the series off. The again. author did a very good job writing it. I kind yeah. of fumble fucked a Link few things. Link will be in the description below. Yeah, I fumble fucked a few things, but I thought he wrote this very well, like very very well. I think so too. I enjoyed it. I think a lot of these people that go on the No Sleep Forum could honestly be authors. No, yeah, there's some freaking great stories out there, and they're series. Too. Some of the series are super long, but man, are they interesting! We've talked about maybe doing a series. Eventually. It would have to be parter, where you do like one part, but yeah, one episode, some of these two part next episode are more than just a forty minute read. They're like, yeah, this was twelve pages, and that's like the tip of the. Us iceberg. sitting down and reading the same story for four hours. There, yeah, and like imagine this being one part, and there's five parts of this, so like twelve times five. Is a is almost like a full book. I've been wanting to write another story again too lately. So write another. Yeah, yeah. maybe we'll have another. What story would it be about? Me. I don't know. You don't know yet. You just we want to write another. Some one, aliens probably. I haven't done really Ooh. a story of aliens. Ali- aliens is fun. Jenna did say too that she was very enticed by the fact that she didn't know much about how the government handles alien stuff like that, and it was very interesting to take a look at the new stuff and how they handle disclosure and how how they have like more media, pro- you know, like publication and things like that about it and i was like yeah that I mean it's interesting i i do love talking about aliens just as much as i love cryptics and i love fucking ghost stories man and we just haven't come across many no sleeps that are like alien related we read the one where we were the alien that's true yeah we really haven't seen too many alien no sleeps which i think it's probably because it's it's hard to write a scary story that hasn't been wrote before by aliens because like what are you gonna say like oh i saw a flying disc over my house and they abducted my child i got aliens they abducted me and then they broke my butt they broke my butt with this green tube <laughs> little green man That's exactly stick stuff like i don't butt. want it to sound super like cliche alien well and it's so redundant after you hear one story like, and then especially you hear because the my other 12. stories are pretty like creative like books in the basement very creative very out there Lake Michigan Leviathan. Very creative. Very different from the first ones, too. Even Jenna's story was really well written. Yeah, tag your it if you haven't listened to that episode. Yeah, she did a good job on that. I, I have yet to write anything because I'm too busy writing D&D stuff. <laughs> so it's like, unless you want to hear me talk about D&D for excuses. an hour. Excuses. It is excuses. I haven't wrote one in like almost a year, so. It's a lot of work. It, it is, is a and lot it's, of work. It's hard to do when you have a full-time job try to run a podcast excuses. on top of it i love excuses <laughs> but you're right it's not that hard to like type out a paragraph set it down do it on what's the old or saying you only can do what you put your mind to you know they say that the sky's the limit but there's footprints on the moon <laughs> <laughs> allegedly allegedly well i don't know why don't we take a trip up there with elon and we'll go check it out for ourselves i still don't know how i really feel about the moon landing because there's more and more evidence coming out there's so much it's hard to say that our government doesn't hide things from us but it's like did they really hide the I guess moon landing china has a new te- type of telescope or something that, that can see like real fucking close really fucking far did okay now that we're getting on things like that did you see that they found trash on mars 
Not like, you know, not like... Crash from like an old landing or rocket? I don't know what it was. There was a picture, but it looked like this like... Like a, a piece of not like... It, almost like foil or like something. I'm surprised that humans haven't started shooting our pollution into the freaking space. <laughs> Shoot it at the nearest black hole and let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares after that, right? You see Epsilon 6 over there right like, next to its black hole. Send that shit that way. <laughs> we care about a healthy Earth, right? We don't really care about the rest of space, do we? It's endless. Yeah, it's never... Does it matter if it's... Because eventually it might come across a system where it just lights into... Elements. Or the Galaxy Federation that is of aliens. They're just like, what the fuck is wrong with these homeless assholes? I don't know. Does that sound like bad to like take our uh, pollution problem and just man. put it somewhere else? It sounds like Futurama. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds like Futurama to me. Like, what are we going to do with all this plastic? I don't know. Let's shoot it to space where no one lives. <laughs> is it bad? Is it bad? It's only bad if the aliens finally attack like, us and go, all right, you guys have finally... <laughs> you done. guys have done it you're done you guys went full redneck throwing your fucking garbage in my fucking land oh my god i mean i can't would you or, or just shoot it at the sun because if it gets to the sun it's, it's gonna, gonna dis- disintegrate yeah it's way too hot to is it bad eat. then like come on methane in the sun there's already probably tons of it or is it gonna like cause the sun to like react volatilely these change? are really deep thoughts people Think about that. We should be scientists for NASA. What if we moved garbage? Do you to think they've actually shot, shoot it at the sun? Do you think NASA's honestly like had this come across their like you know like their ta- internal How, talks? If they haven't hit us up, we got <laughs> ideas. <laughs> we got brilliant ideas to get rid of our pollution. I mean, I don't hate the idea. I'm not gonna lie, I don't hate it. It's probably a lot of resources to get that shit there. But if you can transport enough of it into space and make it like economically friendly, like. See, that's I the part is it. the amount of fuel it would take to Can send you? the rocket. But, like, you but, know. Oh, what if you what? burned it on I the garbage? What if it was, like, coal, <laughs> so like... you just burn it into the fucking, like, the engine, and it just, like, continuously lights it, so you can just continue your rocket. It just burns oh the, gar- the garbage on its way to space. You just get Because, I mean, that can't be worse than, like, what we're already doing with garbage. The chemtrails would be pretty wild. <laughs> would it be worse, though, if it's already in the air, or if it's down when we're burning it on the ground or burying it and burning it (laughs) like you know what i mean that's what we do we just burn it underground now so i think i like space better i like the space idea it's more creative it's it's a lot more creative it's like this it's like next millennium thinking yeah this is like 2025 thinking people aren't ready for this idea they aren't ready for us (laughs) <laughs> this is why nasa hasn't come knocking yet because this idea is it. what's gonna get us on the late show <laughs> can, you, can you imagine getting a call from like jimmy kimmel's agent and he's like yeah i'd like we to bring need you guys, guys to come on the show and talk about sending your garbage, garbage to, to space <laughs> you're like yeah i got the idea from futurama <laughs> did futurama do that yeah they did it oh, in an episode well, okay yeah. well it's not original then. or slingshots like a giant like they have those where like um it spins something. I never watched Futurama, so I seriously. Well, this this isn't a Futurama thing. This is like a, a real thing where like centrifugally you can take a rocket and spin it with like a magnetic like arm that like continues to gain speed as it goes around, and then it launches it like a slingshot into space. Why don't you just like put a couple tons of you know fucking garbage in that fucker and just let it go, <laughs> just like, watch it go? Or like, does it burn up in the atmosphere if you just launch it without like a housing around it? Would that be good? I don't think that would be good. 
might not be good. But it would be but cool. I also seen a video the other day from 1930 where a whale died on the beach. They didn't know what to do with it, so they pound, they piled 20,000 pounds of dynamite on top of it. And, and they blew, blew it up. up. <laughs> what? That's fucking crazy. And pieces of whale were found on couple miles away. cars like 20 miles yeah, away. Yeah, I was just saying a couple miles away. Like, fuck yeah. I mean, that's a lot of dynamite, and whales are fucking massive. Could you imagine the fleshy like, chunks? It moved the whale. It was no longer there, but it was everywhere else. Somebody had that brilliant idea. They were just sitting there like, how do we get rid of the whale? Well, Tom's got a bunch of dynamite. Blow it up. <laughs> we're going to blow it up. We're not going to cut it up. We're not going to, like, you know, bury it. We're going to blow it up. We're not just going to push it back to sea and let other animals just eat it because that's what would happen in nature yeah that's nature let's just blow it up (laughs) they were also terrified of sharks in 1930 they're terrified by very large things back then so whales scared them and they're like we gotta make sure it's dead well i mean how are you gonna move a freaking hundred thousand pound whale a crane (laughs) i don't know could a crane pick that up in 1930 man Uh, maybe we have cranes that can do that now maybe two cranes (laughs) <laughs> wait 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 i got a better idea three cranes <laughs> Twenty thousand pounds of dynamite that's so much dynamite that is that's so you can look dynamite. this video up i kind of want to watch it after this that's a lot of dynamite and they actually got that video yeah so you can see it like you see it blow up oh my fucking you also God. see the video of like a the car aftermath. smashed yes, by a giant hunk of meat from that's, a whale. That's the news that I want to see. Like nowhere near the ocean. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about gas prices or anything more. I want to see people blowing shit up. <laughs> like, show me I that. I want to see blowing dead whales up. That's awesome. <laughs> that's all I need is just dead whales blowing up. Well, that really got off the rails <laughs> from where we were till now. A little yeah. bit. We went from the whistler to blowing, blowing whales up. Whales. Because, you know, that's just how it be sometimes on these episodes. That's just how it be sometimes. Oh, my God. I loved it, though. I love doing the No Sleep Forum. I love reading stories like this. You're going to read the next one because that was really long-winded. <laughs> and I'm tired already. Yep. I, I got the next one, people. Don't worry. Maybe it'll be one of my own. We'll and see. then you'll get to hear my beautiful. His awesome sound effects. <laughs> Remember, folks, you can find us on pretty much every podcasting service out there. A lot of you have really been liking Pandora. iTunes is also really good for us. If you go on iTunes, you like and comment or just share it. Give us a review. Yeah, it helps tremendously in the ratings. So people will actually get to see us more than what we just advertise. And if you're not already subscribed and stuff like that, then it's harder for us to get recognition on those type of platforms. Because they do it all based off an algorithm where the more... So like you know stars Reviews you get yeah is and then the higher you are in the ratings so more people see it which helps tremendously but you know it is what it be is just tell your friends people we love you yeah and you can find us on spotify amazon youtube pretty much everywhere like we said we got facebook merch. instagram there's merch there's links click them click them spend Please. <laughs> just poor shame. I work hard on those designs. If people. you look up what goes bump the night at podbean.com, you will also find links to, to our everything. Cash App Venmo. You can see every link to our like TikTok. Every everything's there. So like if you're like having a hard time finding anything, go to what goes bump the night podbean.com. Then you'll find everything, every link you need. If you're just like, Well, I'm not really tech savvy, just remember that one. And you'll be good to go. Yeah. 
If you didn't know, yeah, we've had that website since the podcast started. Yeah, and what's our email again? What goes bump the night podcast at gmail.com yeah if you want to send in like stories or things that you want us to talk about or you want to send us a story send it please double space it (laughs) is all i gotta say if you're gonna tell you something out to us and then yeah we'll read it we'll talk about it if you want to just contact us that's another good way of doing it unless you just find us on facebook yeah pretty much yeah pretty much you know how it works feel 2022 yeah, I would say if you, I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this are pretty tech savvy, so pretty sure. Imagine. And if not, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to vindicate you. <laughs> not at all. Get better. <laughs> oh my God. Get better. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I broke the chair. JK, LOL. Remember, folks, to keep ears and eyes open before it really goes. Bump in the night. I broke Riley's chair. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Sorry. Bye, Whistler and friends.